Friday is knocking at our door, and we're going to answer with another edition of the Speaking For Him podcast. I'm Adam McNutt, alongside the host of the program, Mr. Andrew Gamison. Hello, Adam. As I said a few weeks ago, uh, when I began our series, Rolling Through Life, I really wanted to take this opportunity to talk about my life in greater detail. Not necessarily uh, because I'm so great, but just because God has taught me a lot through my life of dealing with the challenge of being in a wheelchair and also just because those type of challenges have been thrust to the forefront with um, certain real life stories and then also I was majorly prompted as I've already alluded to by the movie Me Before You and and before we end the series which I believe will have two more episodes directly based on different things that I want to bring out from my own life, that being personal care and then relationships. But then we'll also have an episode um, where I think we'll cover my blog post, which is 10 things um, uh, you shouldn't say uh, to someone in a wheelchair. And then I, um, when I rewrote it, I rewrote it as 10 things you shouldn't say to someone in a wheelchair, or maybe you should. Because I asked the question, are, are these necessarily bad questions to ask? Uh, because I think that we need to be asking questions. I think one of the biggest things that I find as I'm relating to people in society uh, is that there's a lot of naivete. And if we're not willing to ask the right questions, we can't get the right answers. So I am, um, in a sense, uh, through these shows, hopefully asking questions that you would ask if you were brave enough to ask. I think people that I know personally, most of them would be. I've had um, some pretty uh, bad experiences when people aren't, but uh, we'll get into that more as we go along. But first, Adam, after my lengthy intro, could you give us our quote of the day? This comes from Mr. Booker T. Washington. Nothing ever comes to one that is worth having except as a result of hard work. You know, this is an interesting thing because as I was looking at quotes for this show, I was thinking to myself, well, where's a good quote about working as a disabled individual? And then I started thinking, well, no, because the whole point of this podcast series is to talk about how normal I am and how I'm not a different type of person, even though I might do things a little differently. I am just a normal, everyday person who wants the same things that you want or anybody else who's listening wants. So I realized that I didn't need to find a specialized quote. And I just really liked um, this quote, nothing ever comes to one that is worth having except as a result of hard work. And, you know, I've used kind of a motto for my life is working twice as hard to prove that I'm just as good. And I kind of say that tongue-in-cheek, but as I get older and as I have more and more you know, of the realistic um, uh, goals, such as the white picket fence, if you will, (laughs) um, it takes on more meaning because I feel like there's a lot of ways uh, where I am still trying to work twice as hard to prove that I'm just as good. And this area of employment uh, in which we're going to discuss today is definitely one of those things. Um, So, but Adam, before we get into that, do you have any thoughts on the quote and how how um, that's kind of applied to your life? Well, when I definitely look at the things that 
especially God has brought the most out of. It's definitely been the times where it's it's been the hardest working moments. You know, there've been times where I felt like I was going to be burned out or, you know, I really put my all into it. And it's funny because I'd say 85% of the times in those moments, I'm like, I don't like this. It's too much work. And, you know, you kind of like bark about it. But then you look back and it's like, okay, I see how what God brought from that situation. And if I would have said, oh, I'm done or I give up or whatever, then I would have seen everything I would have missed out on. So well, I think one of the reasons I bring that up with you is because I've seen um, your rise here at, at the radio station that you work at um, from doing an overnight show uh, to doing the morning show. And I know that as those responsibilities have grown, your hours have increased and your responsibilities have grown uh, to the point where it's harder um, to schedule extracurricular things. Mm-hmm. I know this, folks, because there's some some movie reviews that yeah. we want to do. <laughs> have been put on the back burner. Have not been happening. And and to his defense, part of it's because of my employment, which is a good thing. Right. So I'm not just putting it all on him. But it's just interesting how as you crave more responsibility, you are given more responsibility, and then you kind of kind of step back at times and say, did I really want this? But really, yeah. <laughs> because when you work hard, you get more work. That's that's kind of the, the general way that things go. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to take you a little bit uh, on a journey of my employment history a little bit. And I'm going to do my best um, uh, not to uh, superbly badmouth anyone, but I want to be honest. Um. Through my work experience, first of all, when I was 15, close to 16, I started getting the itch to get some outside employment. Like a lot of kids do when they become teenagers, they're like, it's time for me to start working. I want to have a paycheck. I want to be able to, to do um, certain things that a paycheck would allow me to do. And so I applied at a Christian bookstore. I applied at a Christian bookstore that same one, which was about a mile and a half from my home at the time, probably two or three years in a row. Um, I talked to the management there. I would sometimes go in and just hang out and and show people. I got to know the bookstore so well that I would show people um, where books were um, because I knew the store. And I would just do that because I loved the books, and I was hoping that they would notice and be like, he's already working here why don't we give him a paycheck <laughs> unfortunately that did not happen and um, I think part of it was because they didn't want um, to make the accommodations that would have been necessary for me to work there which were, were doable but uh, obviously would take an effort I think that's one of the ambiguity ambiguities about a lot of job applications that people don't realize is one of the questions they always ask you is, are you able to perform the duties of this job with reasonable accommodation? And the problem with that is reasonable accommodation is extremely vague. And who gets to decide what reasonable accommodation is? In in a general sense, it's the employer that decides that. So, um, therefore, I did not get that opportunity. Well, um... I was getting ready to go into the summer of my uh, junior year of high school, and I still hadn't found work. And my mom uh, got 
the opportunity to enroll me in a job program through Goodwill Industries. Uh, the purpose of this program was to, for Goodwill to offer employers, temporary employees, Goodwill would pay the paycheck, and then they would let us go to work for the employer. The employer wouldn't have to pay a dime. They would just be giving us work experience. So they proceeded to try to look for a job for me. I had a very unique circumstance in that I was mentally sharp and I was able to do, I was able to function at a mentally high level to do a job, but I couldn't do physical labor. Um, there were a lot of people in the program that were lower functioning mentally than I was, but they could do physical labor. So you could put them at a mire as a cashier or a beggar, or you could put them any number of places. And, um, so it got to be, you know, a month into the summer and they still hadn't found me work. And then they found me a job as a ticket taker at a movie theater, which um, at the time my family didn't go to movie theaters. And so I turned that down and they were kind of upset. Um, and uh, so then... Uh, a couple weeks later, they they found J.C. Penny Catalog. J.C. Penny Catalog hired a bunch of people to work to answer when the one eight hundred number when you call the one eight hundred number in the catalog. They had a catalog center in Kentwood, so I go in, I do the interview, and this is where I made my first mistake. They hired me on the spot, and I could have. Um, stayed working through the JCPenney uh, job program, which would have given me job programming and resources. But JCPenney said they preferred to have me hire in, and they were offering me a dollar more an hour than I would have gotten from a Goodwill paycheck. So I accepted the job, and um, then I began training. And the training was fun. I had a room full of people that were fellow trainees, and we had a good time together. Um, for two weeks, um, it was 30 hours a week of training, so it was kind of like a normal job. After that, though, um, they gave me four-hour shifts, which could be anywhere from 7 in the morning to 11 at night. And so uh, I, I had a lot of struggles in that job, and three months later, without uh, going off probation, um, they fired me. Uh, well, they said you're either going to be fired or you're going to have the opportunity to sign a resignation. And so I signed the resignation and walked out not having gotten off uh, probation. And there were some other things that happened there. Like first they were really welcoming to my service dog at the time. And then after a while they said people started complaining. So they told me that I couldn't bring my dog in. They didn't want me to bring my dog in anymore, which technically wasn't legal. And there were just some other things. But all that to say that it was a really rough road, and I swore that I would never do telemarketing again. So I was devastated to be out of work that October, but then I finished up my senior year of high school. And so that was my focus. When that was done... I was still wondering what to do for work. And my mom was like, 
I think Right to Life of Michigan, right down the street from where we live. Um, and it's still in our old neighborhood. I think they, they have telemarketers. You should go down there and see if you can get a job. And actually, she had told me this a couple times. So I probably could have been working there for a year longer than I did. But I didn't listen to my mother. So the first thing I want to say is listen to your mother. <laughs> um, but I got a job there in August of 98. And I actually held that job until February of 2009. So for 10 and a half years, I worked as a telemarketer. Uh, but I had frustrations there as well because my goal was to work as a telemarketer through college. And through the process of getting involved with Right to Life, I really went from 100% pro-life to 400% pro-life in the sense that I really wanted to fight for this cause. And it's still an important cause to me. But anyway, I uh, applied for four different promotions with the company, did not get any of them, and then they cut my hours in half from 16 a week to 8. So at that point, I was looking for um, new opportunities, and I had been working at Guiding Light Mission, as a volunteer, and I noticed they were depleted staff-wise, so I asked the executive director for a job. I proceeded to work there for almost a year, but when my original boss left and new management came in, it was very difficult um, to work under the new management. And again, I faced this issue of having a hard time getting them to see my value as a full-time employer, employee, uh, even though I was a, uh, even though I was a volunteer manager. Um, and so that, um, so in December of that year of 2009, I decided after almost a year to leave there and begin, uh, in earnest my ministry speaking for him, uh, which this podcast became uh, part of. Uh, and so so I did that almost exclusively for the better part of, you know, the next six years. And now today I'm working a job uh, in addition to my speaking for him ministry at the Potter's House Christian High School as a hall monitor slash safety officer. And I'm really enjoying it. It's kind of an interesting challenge working two jobs um, because when I didn't have a job, uh, an outside job, I often thought that I was not nearly busy enough with speaking for him. And now that I'm working outside of that, I'm realizing just how busy I was with speaking for him because <laughs> I'm trying to continuously try to keep up. Um, so, but in a lot of these places, I felt like I had this, sign over my head that said he can't really work a full-time job and uh there were a couple times where i felt like i was like the signature part-time employee um it was cute and they were benevolent for having hired me but it wasn't really they didn't really see my value as an employee now could it be possible that i could be inflating or, or deflating their view of me a little bit except in one particular job, and I'm not going to say which one to protect their privacy, but in one particular job, I got turned down for a full-time job with the company, was then told that they would be willing to 
employ me full-time at my current salary, which was at the time eight fifty an hour. Um, and, but they wouldn't give me benefits because um, they said they couldn't afford it. And I said, well, then I, I can only work my regular schedule part-time. Proceed to the following, uh, a couple weeks later when there was a staff meeting, there was a young lady who was hired full-time for another position. And she was talking about how she couldn't wait until her benefits kicked in. So this employer told me they couldn't afford to insure me because they didn't have the money to pay for my benefits. And then they were going to insure this other young lady. And I think it was largely because of false assumptions that they assumed that because I was disabled, that I would be sick all the time and that I would have a lot of disability related expenses. Now I will grant you that I do have some pretty big expenses that fall under healthcare, such as my wheelchair um, and my bath chair. But those are not things that are overall health. My overall health has been um, excellent um, for the majority of my life. The biggest thing I've ever dealt with is dealing with foot infections every few years where I have to take an antibiotic temporarily. Um, but I've never, you know, and I get the regular course of the year sicknesses like colds and coughs and I take over the counter medicine but I've never taken an antibiotic um, for more than a couple months except for when I took tetracycline for my acne but what teen doesn't struggle with that right and that was for a year but that's the extent of my uh, prescription uh, drug use and I'm very blessed by that but I'm saying that the perception might have been that I had to take pricey medicines all the way through, and it just wasn't true. And I'm really enjoying my job at the Potter's House, but again, I, I still feel like there's more that I can do, and I'm hoping that I can grow with the school because I really enjoy working there. But um, the only thing that really limits me is other people's perceptions. I know that I'm... I'm very capable of of holding down a job and of working hard to do it. And just to backtrack a little bit, again, I don't really want to reveal the company's name uh, because I, I don't want uh, to badmouth anyone specifically, but I do want to bring up this story. One of the employers that I reference, um, I had a situation, you know, where I had to use the restroom at work. And when I started working, um, most of my family was at home when I was working and they were right down the street. So if I had to use the facilities, I would call one of my brothers up and I'd ask them if they would come and help me on my break and they would come and then I would be taken care of. But it got to the point when they started working or when their schedules conflicted that they couldn't always come or they took longer to come than, than I should have had to wait. And so I got up the courage to ask some people where I was working if they would help me. And people were always gracious. I said, this is more awkward for me than it is for you. Please understand that I wouldn't ask unless I had to. They always seemed very gracious. Well, I, there, and there were like, I think, three or four, maybe five of these, these gentlemen that I and uh, I tried to only do it when I had to. And they never voiced any concerns about it. 
or anything of that nature. And then they turned around and went to HR and said, this guy's asking us for help with this. We're uncomfortable. And so HR pulls me into a meeting with the HR rep. um, And I forget. I don't know if there was an HR rep and an assistant HR rep and my boss. But there were three people at the meeting besides me. And they were all women. So I'm sitting here in a room full of women um, talking about my most personal needs. And so then they said, well, write a letter and explain that you are um, that you are sorry for that. And then just tell, ask them if they'll sign it, if they're willing to help you. And then you'll know who can help you and who isn't comfortable. If I remember correctly, every person that complained ended up signing it. So I went through all that humiliation um, just so they could be guilted into helping me anyway. And the reason I bring up this story is because please, please understand me when I say this. I have no problem talking to people about my disability. I have no problem with people being scared of something about my disability. But if but if you being scared of my disability causes you to back away from me, then I've just lost a perfectly good friendship because we couldn't talk things out. So what I'm telling you is, from my perspective, and I would venture to guess from very many people's perspective in the disabled community, They would rather you ask questions that you would deem uncomfortable so that they can answer them or choose not to answer them. I suppose they could choose not to answer them. But once you ask a question and you ask it with a good intention, you're you're asking to facilitate greater relationships. So I think most people would. So by asking those questions, you're able to put yourself both at ease because the person's at ease because you're answering their question and you're at ease because they're willing to ask it. So I'm, I'm imploring you as my listener, if someone has a disability and there's something about it that scares you or makes you uncomfortable, don't be afraid to ask them about it. If they choose not to answer you, then you've done your part. You've asked. But I know from my perspective as a fairly high-functioning uh, disabled man in a wheelchair, I want people to ask questions. And I look at it this way, and I may bring this up um, several times more throughout the course of this series, which is I look at life this way. Sometimes there's walls that we need to deal with And if we pretend that the walls don't exist, all we're going to end up with is a bloody nose. If I go driving into a brick wall at even eight miles an hour, I'm going to end up with a bloody nose. But if I am able to grab onto a rope and pull myself over the wall with the help of others, then I still acknowledge there's a wall. There's no way I can get away from the fact that there's a wall. I've still dealt with the fact that there's a wall, but I have overcome it because I've acknowledged it. 
the biggest thing that needs to happen for us to overcome our difficulties is to acknowledge them and work within their parameters. The worst things that people do is not deal with their limitations. And so the reason that I wanted to do this show is to is to show you that even though I believe God has directed my path employment-wise, I still feel there are certain aspects where I could have gone farther if there was greater understanding from the people that were employing me. I have a sharp mind. I'm able to work. I'm able to work hard. I have an eye for longevity. I was at Right to Life in Michigan for ten and a half years. Because you don't just get a job and walk away. You get a job, it's a decent job, and you hold on to it because it's a good job. And, of course, with Right to Life, it was a good cause. And I am fairly persuaded that I would still be working there if they had been able to hire me for a full-time position. Now, the hardest part for me about these issues too is I don't necessarily think that there was any overt discrimination but in my experience of working with people and my experience of going to interviews and my experience of being in certain situations I think there's some accidental um there's accidental discrimination and what I mean by that is because they see me in my wheelchair and something clicks in their head. Oh, let me think about all the things he can't do because I can obviously see looking at him that he's limited. I had one person ask me in an interview, and again, I'm not going to reveal the place, but they asked me, do you think that you can do a full-time job? And... I was dumbfounded by that question because I applied for the job knowing it was full-time. And I was like, I wouldn't apply for a full-time job unless I could do a full-time job. Now, I found out after that interview that that's actually an illegal question. But I didn't know that at the time. But the point being that it's all about perception. These people have perceived that I can't do something and they've gotten it stuck in their head. Now, it's it's kind of a tricky tightrope because on one hand, I don't want to be hired because I'm disabled, because you feel sorry for me and because I can kind of be your trophy, if you will. And I don't want to not be hired because I'm disabled. So it is kind of a tricky tightrope to walk and it's hard to claim overt discrimination, not to mention the fact that if you took someone to court because they were discriminating against you in employment, would you really want to work there after that was over anyway? You really wouldn't. So I don't want to get to this place where I'm just rambling, but I hope that these observations have helped you um, if you have dealt with any employment challenges because of disability or even other reasons, but specifically today we're talking about physical disability, which limits your ability to, to do work. You know, it's 
kind of interesting. I wouldn't be able to do this podcast if it wasn't for um, Adam that came in and, and ran the controls. I mean, he could teach me the controls, but they're on the other side of the room. So it's <laughs> nice that I can just roll up to the mic and be ready to do it. But my point is, almost any job that I would have would would have to be modified in some way. The job that I have now had to be modified from the original. But the point being that if you're willing to make the modifications, that you will get um, a good employee, employee who wants to do his best for you. And I heard a statistic not too long ago within the last few years that said 80% of physically disabled um, workers are underemployed. And I believe it because in a lot of ways I've been underemployed my whole employment career. And as I think about that in the context of wanting to have a wife and wanting to have a family and wanting to support them and wanting to have a young lady take me seriously when I uh, tell her I want to spend the rest of her life with me, I mean, we, we joke, I joke that I want to have a good job because, because my future wife, I'm sure, will enjoy shopping. But, but in all reality, it, it is a concern of mine that I want to be able to be a provider. And until I get to the place, whether it's a combination of a part-time job and my ministry like I'm doing now, or whether it's a full-time job in ministry or whatever the case may be, until I get to that place, it's going to be very difficult to... Um, come to a place of being able to be that provider that I want to be. Now, I, I do understand that we live in a different economy than we used to, even five years ago, even ten years ago, but these are concerns, and as, as a man who has been working um, since he was 18, and like I said, been consistently underemployed for my skills, I'm just putting it out there that that has been my struggle. And I'm pretty sure there are others that can relate. But all this is to say that it's still worth the fight. You know, my first job was my most difficult job, but it's made all the other jobs I've had uh, seem like a piece of cake by comparison in many ways. Um, my second job prepared me for, my, for the responsibilities of my third job. And... My third job helped me convince me convince helped convince me through the influence of a coworker and my father at the time that I could launch a ministry. You know, so all these things work together to bring me to where I am, and I believe that. But I'm just putting it out there that these are the challenges that I've lived with. And so be careful when you're out and about or you're dealing with someone with a disability to limit them. Get to know them and find out what they're really like. Don't just make a lot of preconceived notions come alive in you. And I know that we're, we can all be guilty of, of making preconceived um, notions of people. I, I had a friend that we've been friends for years now, but for the first few years that um, I knew him, we weren't very good friends because I had preconceived notions about him that weren't true. So I know what that can be like from my personal standpoint. And I'm just imploring you on behalf of the disabled community, don't put us all in one basket. If you give us 
uh, the opportunities to succeed. We will probably surprise you. And I think you'll find very loyal employees because they know how difficult it is to get work. You know, they're not going to job hop. You know, I've, I've had friends that have had more jobs in a year than I've had in my whole life. <laughs> so, and I, I envy their ability to get work that easily because, you know, it's just not going to happen for me. But envy will be another podcast. <laughs> so, um, but we will close out there. Adam, do you have any thoughts after listening to this at all? Uh, my thoughts are, you know, it's good to hear from you on how you really felt and in what you, you know, what you go through. I think so easily we can put a cap on what people can do based on what we see or we assume by what we witness. But, um, you know, God didn't make us just to just coast and barely make it. You know, he gave us all purpose and talents to do something. And I think that's people that come in any shape or form or any disability or not. So I think to hear from your heart what it was like to go through those stages, it's a good reminder. All right. Well, that's our show for today. If you have any feedback on this particular issue, um, feel free to leave us a voicemail um, on the right-hand side of the blog page, and you'll get the blog at, um, at the content information at the end of the show and then you can send us a voicemail or an email or you can tweet us or any type of social media you want to do um that would be great to hear from you and our next shows that are coming up in this series are going to deal with personal care and relationships um specifically uh with a specific focus toward my quest to find a, a life partner and so those are still coming up. But um, so if you want to contribute to either of those shows, you can contact us as well with your input. All right. That's all we have time for today. Until next week, uh, this is Andrew Gomison saying, have a great weekend and keep serving the best mess. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him, alongside his co-host and executive producer, Adam McNutt. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking For Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 